BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. In our long-form weekend podcast, some incredible legal developments in the last few days. Here's Glenn. Welcome to our weekend edition of Justice Matters, where we spend some time airing out the legal issues of the past week. We try to figure out what went right, what went wrong, what's broken, how can we go about fixing it. And friends, this past week was a doozy. Doozy's a legal term. You know, one minute the justice gods giveth, and the next minute the justice gods taketh away. You know, there were some really good developments, some important developments, some hopeful developments on the accountability front, accountability for Donald Trump and his criminal associates. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about the good news in just a minute. And then there were some truly horrific developments on the justice front courtesy of a handful of rich, influential, unaccountable American oligarchs who sit on the Supreme Court. Among other things, killing affirmative action, knocking down the prospects of equal opportunity for minorities, for people of color, for our African-American brothers and sisters. And then as I was sitting here preparing to do this podcast, I saw yet another opinion come down, sort of sanctioning, endorsing, encouraging discrimination against our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. You know, if you're a person whose religion tells you that you must be intolerant of others, well, then the Supreme Court says, go ahead and discriminate against the LGBTQ community. Our Supreme Court justices, our very own American oligarchs, who, let's remember, have put themselves above the law, several of them, by taking mountains of money and benefits and gifts and in-kind contributions from billionaire Republican mega-donors and then not reporting that money on their public financial disclosure forms, as is required by law, and then at times ruling in favor of the interests of the very people from whom they took that money. You know, this small batch of people, just a handful, are American oligarchs sitting on the Supreme Court, have decided to knock down a couple of pegs, minority students, and our LGBTQ friends. So we will be talking about the unfair, unjust, and entirely unrealistic Supreme Court opinion in a case that frankly is ironically called 
Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard. In that case, and the now newly decided case regarding court-sanctioned discrimination against the LGBTQ community, those cases will forever live as stains on the hopes and aspirations for true equality and for equality of opportunity in America, because justice matters. Coming up next, it looks like more bad news for Donald Trump. Glenn talks about that next on Justice Matters. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CNN has now published the 2021 recording in Bedminster, New Jersey, where Trump talks about his secret documents that were not declassified. Looks like more trouble for Trump. Here's Glenn to explain. Friends, let's start with the legal recap because we actually do have at least some good news there. And the legal recap this week involves evidence that just completely seals the fate of Donald Trump. He's been indicted and he's going to be indicted some more and he's going to be tried and he's going to be convicted and he's going to be imprisoned. You know, the evidence of his guilt at this point is so absurdly, almost comically overwhelming because among other things, you know, we learned this week that there's an audio recording in which Donald Trump is showing classified documents to a group of folks gathered in his office at Bedminster, New Jersey, at his golf club. And these people had no right to know anything that was in those classified documents, documents that involved draft military plans for an attack on Iran. And the whole thing is caught on an audio recording, Donald Trump's own voice. And he also completely screws over his own defense attorneys, his defense team, because he deprives them of yet another possible avenue of defense that they could have used at trial. Because he actually says on that audio tape, yeah, this document here, these papers that I'm holding, it's still classified. I could have declassified it when I was president, but I'm not anymore. So now I can't declassify it. It remains secret, but let me share the contents with you 
anyway. I mean, friends, it's absurd how much incriminating evidence exists to convict Donald Trump, not only for his unlawful retention of classified documents, but for violating our nation's espionage laws by mishandling national defense information. But wait, there's more. Because once Donald Trump realized he was caught red-handed on that audio tape, maybe we should say he was caught red-voiced, you know, he started to go on the faux news networks and provide the most childish, most transparently false explanations imaginable for what he did. When he was asked, why were you showing military plans to people at Bedminster? He actually said something along the lines of, uh, uh, plans? Military plan? No, no, no. Um, I was showing them uh, plans for buildings and plans, plans for golf courses. Yeah, that's the ticket. I was showing him plans for golf courses. Are you kidding me, sport? In your own voice, on tape, you said these are military plans that General Milley and the Defense Department provided to me. These are the very papers they provided to me about a potential military strike on Iran. And then he goes on TV and says they were plans to build a golf course. But wait, there's more. Once he realized that the words on that audio recording, I guess I shouldn't call it audio tape, right? That's kind of an old school reference when I talk about a videotape and an audio tape. No such thing as tape anymore. Audio recording, once he realized that his own words speak for themselves, we have a saying in the law, res ipsa loquitur, the thing speaks for itself. You can't refute it. Well, then he abandoned the whole oh, plans for buildings and golf courses. And he actually said something that I think is, is really unusual for Donald Trump. He said, well, okay, I, I may have said that stuff, but it was just bravado, right? Bravado is a nice word for saying I was lying. I didn't have classified documents in my hand, right? Showing it to the people in the room, even though that's precisely what the tape describes. No, no, no. It was bravado. In other words, I'm not a traitor. I'm just a great big liar. Friends, how often does Donald Trump admit that he was lying about things? So I think his fallback position of bravado is a sure sign of extreme desperation. Even Donald Trump knows he's going down. He is sunk on the evidence. Up next, Rudy Giuliani met with a federal prosecutor this week, and that wasn't good news for Rudy. Glenn talks about that next on Justice Matters. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. When Rudy Giuliani meets with federal prosecutors these days, it's not good news for Rudy. Here's Gwen with the details. Another reason Donald Trump knows he's going down is because it looks like his own former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, may be cooperating against him. And that is another really big legal development this week. Rudy Giuliani sat for what's called a proffer session. Indeed, in the reporting, one of Giuliani's own mouthpieces even confirmed this meeting. And I saw some people saying, well, that's just a voluntary interview. He just sat for a voluntary interview, no big deal there. Well, he didn't just sit for a voluntary interview. People sit for voluntary interviews by the thousands every day in prosecutors' offices around the country. Rudy sat for a proffer session. Big difference between a voluntary interview and a proffer session. You know, as a former career prosecutor, I was involved in more proffer sessions than I could ever count. Let me tell you what a proffer session is. When we have evidence that someone committed crimes, but we really want to talk to that person because we suspect they also have evidence about other people committing crimes. Typically, we're most interested when they have evidence of, you know, bigger criminal fish committing crimes. And here, of course, we're looking for the biggest criminal fish, the big orange blowfish. We invite those kind of people in for a proffer session. And if they agree to that voluntary proffer session, we can't compel them to come in and talk about their crimes or the crimes of others because they have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. But if they are motivated enough because they know the walls are coming in, the walls are closing in, and they are willing to come in and sit down for a voluntary proffer session, that is a sure sign that one of two things is about to happen. Either they're about to be indicted, or if the proffer session is successful enough, maybe they get a really good plea deal with cooperation and they flip. Now, those aren't the only two possibilities, either being indicted or flipping, pleading guilty and cooperating. There are other possibilities after a proffer session. One could be that they decide they just want to give Rudy immunity, give him a complete pass for all of his crimes, 
and then get all the information from him about the crimes of others. Let me tell you, that ain't happening for Rudy, in my opinion. Or another thing that could happen after a proffer session is the prosecutors could decide, well, I guess we have it all wrong. I guess Rudy really didn't do anything wrong, didn't commit any crimes, and it doesn't look like he has any information about the crimes of others. So we're just going to say, bye-bye, Rudy, be on your way. We don't need to bother you again. Well, that ain't happening in Rudy's case either. So the most likely result of Rudy agreeing to participate in a proffer session is that he's very close to either being indicted or flipping and entering a plea agreement with cooperation, which would provide that he has to testify fully and truthfully and accurately against others. So what does a proffer session look like? Well, the witness, in this case it's Rudy, is typically somebody who is the subject or the target of a criminal investigation, somebody who's caught up. And the witness will come in with his or her lawyer and they will get what we call queen for a day immunity. Okay, what is queen for a day immunity? Well, they get a letter that says, anything you say in this proffer session cannot be used against you. So it's sort of immunity for a day. You have carte blanche. You can tell us everything about what you did and about the crimes of others. And none of that can be used against you. But if you lie, if we find out you're lying, all bets are off. But it gives witnesses significant protection when they get this temporary immunity, this queen for a day status. It gives them the ability to come in and say, okay, okay, let me tell you what I did at the direction of Donald Trump, what I did with Donald Trump, what I did for Donald Trump's benefit, you know, trying to keep him installed in the presidency in 2020, even though he lost the election. Let me tell you all about it. And what I'd really like from you, this is what Rudy and his lawyers would say, is I want a really sweetheart plea offer. You know, maybe I can just plead to three of my crimes instead of all 33 crimes I committed. I'm making up that number, just using that as an example. And if you give me a really generous plea offer, I will flip. I will cooperate against Trump and everybody else about whom I have information. Rudy could say, okay, I'll testify against Sidney Powell. I'll testify against Jenna Ellis. I'll testify against John Eastman. Maybe Rudy has information about the Bannons and the Stones and the Flynn's and the cast of thousands who were complicit in the crimes of Donald Trump and the insurrection and the fake electors. Maybe Rudy even knows a thing or two about members of Congress who were complicit. So the fact that Rudy Giuliani feels like he is in such a squeeze that he came in for a proffer session is a very, very good sign that things are about to come to a head, at least with respect to Rudy and his possible indictment or cooperation. And then friends, there's one other thing I just want to flag here briefly 
because I can't talk about Rudy without wondering out loud if Rudy has a pardon, what I have referred to as a pocket pardon. We do have something we call pocket immunity. I'm not going to go into that now, but if you have a pardon that has not been disclosed publicly, I would call that a pocket pardon. Remember, there's nothing in the law or in the Constitution that says if the president gives someone a pardon, in order to be valid, in order to be lawful, it must be disclosed publicly. So I think pocket pardons are a very real possibility. Why do I say that? Well, friends, I assume none of you bothered to buy or read Kellyanne Conway's book. I know I certainly didn't, but I did read the New York Times book review of Kellyanne Conway's book. You know, Kellyanne Conway, she of alternative facts. And what she says in her book is that late in Donald Trump's presidency, he kind of ambled up to her and said, and I'm going to use her word now, hey, honey, you want a pardon? A blanket pardon? An unsolicited pardon? Everybody's going to need one. Now, Kellyanne said she politely declined Donald Trump's offer of a pardon. I don't know if that's a fact or an alternative fact, but here's what I do know. If Donald Trump offered unsolicited, a blanket pardon to Kellyanne Conway, do you really think he didn't give one to his own lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who did all his dirty bidding, his nefarious bidding, his criminal bidding? Really? If I had to bet one dollar of my own money, you've probably heard me say before, I am not a gambler, not a high roller, one dollar is my betting limit, I would bet a buck that Rudy has a pardon in his back pocket. So if he does, and if he's talking with prosecutors, federal prosecutors about, you know, I got a pardon, he might still be cooperating with the feds. Why? Well, let's just assume all of this is hypothetical, and we're going to be talking more about pardons when and if people begin producing them. But let's assume that Rudy thinks he's got a pardon that gets him out of trouble for everything he did on or before January 20th, right? Because once Donald Trump leaves the presidency, anything Rudy did that was criminal on January 21st or beyond cannot be covered by a pardon that was given to him on or before January 20th. But let's assume he's got a pardon and he thinks that's going to keep him out of federal hot water. Well, what else does Rudy have facing him? We all know that District Attorney Fawny Willis down in Georgia told Rudy Giuliani, you are a target of my criminal grand jury investigation in Georgia. It sure looks like Rudy is about to be indicted in Georgia. And of course, a presidential pardon has nothing to do, has no impact on a state prosecution, a Georgia state prosecution. So your pardon is not good here in Georgia, Rudy. But if Rudy cooperates with the feds, he might say, listen, I'll testify against Trump and Powell and Ellis and Eastman and the rest of them only if you can maybe help Bigfoot that prosecution down in Georgia and kill it for me. Convince the Georgia state 
prosecutorial authorities, Fawny Willis, that they shouldn't prosecute me. Now, mind you, the feds don't have any power or authority over the Georgia state prosecutors, so they can't direct the Georgia state prosecutors not to prosecute Rudy Giuliani. But look, I assume prosecutors across all of the jurisdictions are coordinating with one another. I know I would be if I was still a federal prosecutor involved in investigating somebody like a former president who has criminal exposure up and down the eastern seaboard. And maybe, maybe the feds could convince the Georgia state authorities that, you know, Rudy has got so much valuable incriminating information about so many people we are intending to prosecute. Would you consider, you know, doing us a solid and not prosecuting Rudy Giuliani. All of this is kind of hypothetical. It's sort of game playing out into the future, depending on how things break. And it's all a topic for another day. But I think I have a feeling we're going to be talking about some of these things in the future. But at the moment, let's go back to Rudy sitting for the proffer session with Jack Smith's federal prosecutors, because right after the news of that was reported, some more news broke, and it involved, in part, Rudy. Here's the headline from The Independent. Prosecutors are prepared to hit Trump and his allies with new charges. And here is just a little bit of that article in The Independent. The Department of Justice is prepared to seek indictments against multiple figures in former President Donald Trump's orbit and may yet bring additional charges against the ex-president in the coming weeks the Independent has learned. According to sources familiar with the matter, the Department has made preparations to bring what is known as a superseding indictment, a second set of charges against an already indicted defendant that could include more serious crimes against the ex-president and could do so in a number of different venues, in other words, a number of different locations, New Jersey, DC, could in a number of different venues, depending on how prosecutors feel the case they have brought against him in a Florida federal court is proceeding. Prosecutors are now prepared to stack an additional 30 to 45 charges on top of the 37-count indictment brought against Mr. Trump on June 8th. They would do so using evidence against the ex-president that has not yet been publicly acknowledged by the Department of Justice, including other recordings prosecutors have obtained which reveal Mr. Trump making incriminating statements. Additionally, it's understood that special counsel Jack Smith's team is ready to bring charges against several of the attorneys who have worked for Mr. Trump, including those who aided the ex-president in his push to ignore the will of the voters and remain in the White House despite having lost the 2020 election. One of those figures is Mr. Trump's erstwhile personal attorney, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Giuliani, whose law license was suspended in New York and Washington as a result of his allegedly making false representations while seeking to help Mr. Trump overturn his 2020 election loss to Joe Biden, 
reportedly participated in a voluntary interview with prosecutors working under the supervision of Mr. Smith, the Justice Department special counsel whose office brought charges against Mr. Trump earlier this month. So friends, Jack Smith and his team are moving in the direction of accountability, in the direction of justice, not just for Trump, but for his criminal associates. So let's hope that the upcoming week sees even more concrete progress on the road to justice. Coming up, a shocking set of rulings from the Supreme Court. Glenn talks about that next on Justice Matters. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some disturbing rulings on affirmative action and loan forgiveness from the Supreme Court. Here's Glenn. Okay, friends, let's go from Donald Trump and obstruction of justice to the Supreme Court and corruption of justice. As I mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court just killed the prospect of equality of opportunity in college admissions, in higher education, by doing away with affirmative action in college admissions. Let me just read a short passage from some CNN reporting of the Supreme Court's opinion in the ironically titled case, Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard. The Supreme Court ruled Thursday that colleges and universities can no longer take race into consideration as a specific basis in admissions, a landmark decision that overturns long-standing precedent that has benefited black and Latino students in higher education. Chief Justice John Roberts, who wrote the opinion for the conservative majority, said, Harvard and University of North Carolina admissions programs violated the Equal Protection Clause because they failed to offer measurable objectives to justify the use of race. And friends, here's something that is just kind of mind-blowing. Justice Clarence Thomas, who was part of the conservative majority that just killed affirmative action, get this, Thomas previously acknowledged that he made it to Yale Law School because of affirmative action. But, of course, he has long criticized such policies. He has spoken or he spoke in personal terms in his concurrence, his concurring opinion, and put forth his argument against the use of policies which he described as rudderless race-based preferences. So let's be clear, friends. Clarence Thomas benefited from affirmative action in college admissions. He used that ladder to climb the rungs of success, and after he got up there, he pulled the ladder up behind him, depriving others from benefiting the way he benefited 
from affirmative action programs. No words, friends, no words for that kind of callousness and hypocrisy and injustice. He and his fellow conservatives on the court killed the prospect of equality of opportunity in college admissions. So friends, there's just no two ways about it. We have a Supreme Court that is systematically, step-by-step, revoking rights and rescinding protections for enormous swaths of the American population. First, a handful of compromised, conflicted, and financially corrupt Supreme Court justices revoked women's constitutional privacy rights, trying to, you know, put women in their place. And now they revoke affirmative action in school admissions, attempting to put minorities in their place. And it also looks like LGBTQ rights are being rescinded, revoked, disrespected, disregarded. You have to wonder, how long will it take them to get around to revisiting Brown versus Board of Education? I'm sure there are some on the Supreme Court who think, you know, government-sponsored racial segregation in education is just fine. I mean, what's so bad about separate but equal? Hey, it's equal, isn't it? You know, Donald Trump now serves as the poster boy for obstruction of justice and a handful of Supreme Court radical right justices are the poster children for corruption of justice. I'm going to go out on a limb here, friends, and say (laughs) it seems like we need to do better. And we can do better. If these recent rulings revoking women's constitutional privacy rights, overruling long-standing Supreme Court precedent regarding affirmative action that was designed to give people of color equality of opportunity, condemning the rights of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, these rulings, these opinions, if they don't inspire us to overwhelm the polls in November of 2024, then frankly, we don't deserve to have the rights the Supreme Court just revoked. But we do deserve to have those rights, and we will overwhelm the polls in 2024. You know, here's one thing I hold fast to. In 2020, Joe Biden trounced Donald Trump in the popular vote. And in 2020, Donald Trump was not yet criminally indicted up and down the eastern seaboard as he is now, with more indictments coming, with convictions coming, with imprisonment coming of Donald Trump and his criminal associates. I don't believe Donald Trump or this radical Republican Congress is attracting a single solitary new voter to the Republican Party. You know, and and I would bet the farm on the following. Okay, maybe not the farm, right? As I say, I'm not a betting man. One dollar is my betting limit. I would bet a buck that voter after voter after voter after voter is either running away from the Republican Party or walking away from the Republican Party or slouching away from the Republican Party. 
You know, this is the Republican Party that gave us these compromised, conflicted and callous Supreme Court justices who are revoking our rights day after day. I don't know about you, but I think women are pretty damned hacked off about having their reproductive health decisions dictated to them by a handful of these corrupt, callous, conflicted, connected, arrogant, detached, privileged Supreme Court justices, these American oligarchs. You know, call me crazy, but I think that will motivate women to go to the polls in record numbers, and I hope to hell it motivates men to go to the polls in record numbers as well, because you know what? Most of us care about women's rights too. Our wives, our mothers, our daughters, our granddaughters, our sisters, our neighbors, our friends. And how about minority rights, right? That were just cut back, denying minorities equal opportunity to succeed in the college admissions arena. I suspect that's going to drive minority voters to the polls in record numbers. And I also hope it would drive non-minority voters to the polls in record numbers. People who care about our African-American brothers and sisters, our Hispanic brothers and sisters, all people of color, all our brothers and sisters. And friends, once we get to the polls in November 2024, in numbers too big to rig and too real to steal, we will be able to fix some of what the Supreme Court has broken. You know, if we elect enough people to Congress who actually care about the rights of all Americans, who actually care about equality of opportunity for all Americans, we can fix what the Supreme Court broke. We can, for example, increase the number of Supreme Court justices. You know, it's actually kind of crazy that we have increased the number of federal judges over the years to account for, among other things, the increase in the American population and the increase in the caseloads, the cases handled by the federal courts and the federal judges. It, it's really kind of absurd that we haven't increased the number of Supreme Court justices. Do you realize, friends, in our nation's history, we've had as few as five Supreme Court justices. We've had as many as 10 Supreme Court justices. Nine is not a magic number. Now, it's a number that the radical right is quite happy with at the moment because, you know, the Trump-McConnell court packing that went on, extreme right-wing ideologues, that has led to the revocation of the rights of the lesser. When I say the lesser, when you revoke women's constitutional privacy rights, you are relegating women to lesser status. When you deny, when you revoke, when you overturn precedent regarding affirmative action designed to give people of color equality of opportunity, in college admissions, you're relegating people of color to the status of lesser. And that's what the Trump-McConnell Supreme Court packing years has given us, right? So if we can elect 
enough people to Congress who care about women's rights, who care about equality of opportunity for people of color, who care about LGBTQ plus rights, we can fix what Trump and McConnell and their extreme ideological, radical, right-wing Supreme Court broke. And we can do it by increasing the number of Supreme Court justices to 13. Why 13? Well, we've expanded the federal jurisdictions to 13 jurisdictions, and one justice is generally assigned to have certain supervisory responsibilities over each of the 13 federal jurisdictions, but we only have nine justices. So some of the justices have to do double duty. They have to double up and take two federal jurisdictions. You know, stupidity, thy name is only nine justices. So let's elect enough people to Congress who care about everyone's rights and fix this by increasing the number of Supreme Court justices to 13. That would be a good start. And you know why we're here, friends? You know one of the reasons we're here? It's because we haven't enforced the laws of the United States against Supreme Court justices who violate those laws. That's part of the reason we're here. It's our reluctance, our refusal, our timidity to go after the ruling class criminals like Supreme Court justices. We have Supreme Court justices who took millions of dollars in either money or in in-kind contributions and benefits and lavish gifts. They took millions of dollars from billionaire Republican mega-donors, obviously to sway their opinions. And then do you think it's just a coincidence that those Supreme Court justices thereafter generally ruled in favor of the interests of those Republican mega-donors? And some of the Supreme Court justices violated the federal law by failing to disclose that money, those in-kind benefits and contributions and lavish gifts that were provided to them as is required on their public financial disclosure forms. They violated the law. We also have justices who obviously and transparently, almost childishly, lied under oath during their confirmation hearings, promising that they had the utmost respect for women's constitutionally protected privacy rights. Right? They assured us they wouldn't touch Roe v. Wade. That's settled precedent. Starry decisis, worthy of respect. Every fiber of their being, when they were testifying under oath at their confirmation hearings, every fiber of their being communicated, I will protect Roe v. Wade. And then the minute they had the opportunity <laughs> they walked that legal precedent, Roe v. Wade, deep into the woods and shot it dead. And not only that, but they exposed their own lies by saying things like Roe v. Wade was egregiously wrongly decided from the start. 
Well, so thank you for confirming that you lied during your confirmation hearings. And the reason we're here, friends, at least in part, is because the Department of Justice apparently refuses to investigate those violations of the law, right? The crimes of the ruling class criminals, the powerful, the influential, the connected, the wealthy, the Supreme Court justices who have comfortably put themselves above and beyond the reach of the law. You know, equal application of the laws is supposed to mean something. There's no justice if there's not equal justice. So I think we should all urge our elected representatives to make it a point to tell the executive branch, tell the Department of Justice, for gosh sakes, we've seen the apparent crimes committed by Supreme Court justices lying under oath, violating financial disclosure laws. It really shouldn't be too much to ask to hold the justices accountable for breaking the law, for choosing to violate federal statutes. So, yes, friends, this past week, the justice gods gave us a little something, and the justice gods took away a whole lot. What's in store for the upcoming week? Well, hold on tight, friends, because, you know, these days, democracy is an e-ticket ride. You know, if only E stood for equality. Friends, as always, thank you for tuning in to uh, Justice Matters. If you want to know where else you can find me, you can find me at Glenn Kirshner 2 my name and the number 2, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You can go to YouTube. My YouTube channel is Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. I put up a um, legal analysis video every day, seven days a week. And if you're interested in more formally supporting our all-volunteer efforts here at Justice Matters, feel free to go over to patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron. And if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. And as always, thank you to the many of you have decided to come over to patreon.com and support our all-volunteer mission, our efforts, our content. We couldn't do all this without your support. And friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.